Welcome to episode two of the Turks and Chaos podcast. I'm Patty, your host today, and we'll be talking about millennial moms and how we parent in today's society on this episode. Before we get started, a word from our sponsor. All right, jumping right into the episode today. Millennial moms. I always felt really embarrassed to be a millennial. And when other people talk about themselves being a millennial, there is a lack of confidence because of the way the media portrays us and speaks about us. I know that after hearing about millennials, the last thing I want someone to say or to refer me to as is a millennial. I do not want to be lumped in that same category. But I didn't start using this word in my vocabulary until last week when I was explaining my blog to family and they said, ah, so you're the voice for millennial moms. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. I wanted to explore what it means to be a millennial mom exactly. So I did some digging and I came up with a whole episode for this podcast. So I'm going to talk about different things like what it means, you know, how millennials parent, what our family looks like, and, you know, who are we to society? So let's get started. Millennial parents are now being called perennials. Millennial parents, perennials. That's kind of cute. I'm sure you're well aware of the other names we've been called. But for a recap, other people say we are immature, anxiety-ridden, dysfunctional, materialistic, selfish, lazy, just to name a few. Sure, a lot of people my age have anxiety. I can think of multiple people immediately that suffer from panic attacks, anxiety, don't want to leave the house alone. Uh, But, you know, we were thrown into an adult life we were unprepared for. We weren't prepared for things to be this hard. Everyone graduated that I know, mostly. Everyone graduated high school. They went on to community college. They went on to university. They got a degree or they went to trade school to better themselves. Um, And, you know, that didn't immediately give them enough money to afford somewhere to live. It didn't immediately afford them enough money to get a car. Maybe they were able to get a car, um, but it was a really horrible loan because we weren't taught or we weren't given the chance to build credit as teenagers so that we went into the world. I had no idea credit was this important until you're an adult trying to get a loan for something and all of a sudden, oh, you need good credit for that. Well, how do you do that? Well, you need to have uh, experience with a loan. You know, it's all these things. If you want to get credit, you need to have good credit. How do you get credit? Well, if you get a loan for something, that'll build your credit. Okay. If you want a good job, you need to have experience. How do you get experience? Well, you need to get a good job and get experience. It's just like shooting yourself in the foot. No one prepared us for this. So no wonder we're so anxious We don't know if we're going to be able to be successful as adults. And 
we're still pretty new into adulthood that we don't have the experiences of older people who are out there saying how easy it is or it was so easy back in their day. You know, my mom did that when I was a teenager, you know, I think just becoming 18. She had that same kind of mentality of you just need to go out and do it. Put yourself out there and get a job. Interview and you'll get a good job. You know, for every 30 resumes, you'll get five interviews. And out of those five, maybe you'll get one job. You know, everything was just work hard and you'll get there. And then she started to see it wasn't that easy. You know, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. And I think that's when she backed off a little bit and, you know, tried to also navigate through society and try to figure out how to help me with how difficult it is around there. And luckily, I've been fortunate she's allowed me to stay here with her and my whole family is able to live with her and it's given us the opportunity to save money and to get on a trap on a responsible path with our budget. And now we're finally looking to purchase our own home, but it's been it's been hard. And I, I don't want to sit here and complain about it, but I'm just saying, I mean, it's not easy. It's enough to give anyone anxiety. How about this one? We make up the largest generation in the workforce. One in three workers are millennial. How does that make us lazy? We're out there working, but we're not getting anywhere. Is that our fault? Did we say, yeah, we're going to go out to work, but please don't let it, let it get us anywhere. Please make it the most difficult for us to get ahead, to advance in careers, to um, get a good career, but then guess what? Gas prices go up. Good luck trying to find a home because you can't afford anything with that really good paycheck because as soon as you get ahead, something else is already five steps ahead of you. It's just, come on. You know, we're lazy though. Mm Mm-hmm. Why is it that so many articles are written about the importance of marketing to millennials? The main articles that pop up when you go to Google and type in millennial moms are statistic pages uh, created for large companies who are trying to create a brand that is appealing to millennials because they know that their number one customer are millennials and More so than that, their number one customer are millennial parents. So they need people to give them information about us, to tell them what our spending habits are, what is important to us, and how can they get our business. We are putting companies out of business left and right. For some reason, it's we. We are. We are putting businesses. It's millennials. Um, They are adapting to suit our needs and trends so that the companies that are still up or that are created so that they aren't put out of business. They are adapting to suit our needs. We command influence over entire industries ranging from retail to health insurance. They're terrified of us. Why then are we embarrassed to say we are millennials? Why are we embarrassed of that title? We work, we command influence, we are strong, we are large in numbers. Why are we embarrassed? 
Why are stores closing? Bed Bath & Beyond, you'll be closing 60 stores nationwide. Why are you closing? Okay, when was the last time a millennial said, hmm, I'd love to go browse around Bed Bath & Beyond. I have, I have some extra money to spend. Let me go browse Bed Bath & Beyond. Come on. We all know Target has everything. It's two stores over. It has everything in one spot and for cheaper prices. How about that? How about Amazon, where you can go online, compare different prices, get the best quality for the best price point? How about that? It's not because we're lazy. We're being smarter with our money. We're being smarter with our time. We don't go window shopping anymore. We don't go shopping as some luxurious leisure activity that we're able to afford as our previous generations could. I'd rather spend my spare money on experiences and traveling rather than stuff. I remember my grandma used to always go to the outlets and shop, or that was the thing to do with my mom. On a weekend, we'd go out and shop. I'm not complaining. It was fun, but I don't have the leisure. I don't have the the privilege of going out and doing that with my kids because I don't have that extra money. But on top of it, I mean, they have everything they already need. So I don't need to add any more to that. I think that the age of minimalism helps with that as well because you realize you don't need to hoard a bunch of stuff. The average 18 to 25-year-old today makes about $2,000 less than they would have in 1980. We are struggling financially. With a large percent still living at home with their parents, me being one of them, three kids, hubby, dogs and all, child care costs have increased to 18% of the total cost of raising a, a kid, child care and education costs. 18%, the total cost of raising a kid, from just 2% in 1960. So we're trying, but, you know, prices of things go up. It's difficult to catch up by the time we get to the point of being ready for that. It's, it's hard. We're behind before we've even started. Being a stay-at-home mom is a trend right now because it makes sense to stay at home while dad works. I went to school to become an esthetician. $10,000 later, I'm an esthetician ready to get a job. Everyone wants experience. You get experience, you start at minimum wage. But guess what? Minimum wage is just enough to cover childcare. So I couldn't pay off my student loan. I couldn't cover any other bills or put any money into savings because I was creating money for childcare. So it seems like being a stay-at-home mom is more of a necessity than it is a luxury like it may have been in the past. It may seem like, oh, you get to stay at home. That must be so nice. But you know, it's turning into, I don't get to stay at home. I have to stay at home. There's no job out there that will hire me to cover enough to make it worth it to send my child to child care, to daycare. Their child care is so expensive, especially when you have multiple kids. So when you have multiple kids, you're just 
you're at home now, but that's your job. Unless you have a really good job, then good for you. But I am fortunate to be at home. I love being at home with my kids. I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. It got me to where I am now with writing about my experiences at home and what I've learned. And um, I wouldn't trade that experience for the world because I know what it's like to send your kids to daycare and to miss out on the first years and the first firsts of their life. And it sucks so much. And then I also know what it feels like with my third child to be exclusively with them at home for their whole life. And it is amazing. Amazing. It's difficult, but it is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do anything else. If I could redo it all, I would be with my children, all of them from day one and not leave them with babysitters or daycare. I mean, I, I don't feel like I gained anything from those years. Um, and I just wish I would have started earlier as a stay-at-home mom. That's all I got to say. Our values today are centered are around the whole family. It's a whole family approach. In the 1950s, it used to be more adult-centered. Now, it's, are the kids as happy as the parents. It's not all about the parents. It's about the kids and the parents and our relationship with each other. And how do we go forward raising children who will have voices? But how do we still teach them to respect other people and to have this mutual respect for each other? It's interesting that we're thinking that way now, but it's interesting that it wasn't a way that we did things previously. Why was it all about obedience? That's what I've never understood. And that's still what they do at school. It just seems like a very obedient-centered way of teaching. But it's I guess it's easier to handle that many kids when you do it that way. Our generation that we're raising are called Generation Alpha. We are raising Generation Alpha. Anyone born from 2010 up to 2025 will be Generation Alpha. Our parenting techniques. We are more autonomous. We look to Google and online resources for parenting tips and techniques. Duh. Blogs and Pinterest and Google. They all answer our questions when we have an issue arise in our parenting journey. What's good about that is that we weed out what works and what doesn't and are better prepared to pass on information to new parents after us. This may feel like we are not relying on our parents and grandparents to help us with these answers and it may make them feel like they aren't needed or they don't have a role in the family but that's not it at all they get to be a part of the family and all we ask is that they just show an interest in our kids and that they show love and kindness and that they're able to have a relationship with another human being that's close to them and 
sharing experiences with their grandma that we found were important with our grandparents. I loved going places with my grandma. I loved going over to my grandma's house. I loved just hearing her stories and just going to museums. She always had a membership to the aquarium and to the museum, the children's museum. And I loved going places with her. I never knew my grandma to be someone that was, you know, like a disciplinary. I really didn't, but I didn't spend a whole lot of time with her. It was, you know, a day here, a day there. And so I'm sure I wasn't too much of an issue with her. Oh man, see, that's what I want out of that. So it's not that, you know, even when I ask my mom for help and I say, mom, you know, what's your advice on this? She just put something so left. I think I remember I was having difficulty with my child. It was probably soon after it was like three or four, you know, when, when it gets really tough and she just said, you're going to have to spank. And this was when I was dead set. I'm never spanking my kids. It won't ever happen. And she said, you know, you're just going to have to give them a spank. All this stuff isn't going to work. You're going to have to spank. And I just thought it was so typical. Of course, just spank. You don't want to take time. You don't want to, you know, take time to actually teach them what they're doing wrong and give them an opportunity to change it around. You just want to go straight to spanking. That's not something that I wanted to do with my kid. I never wanted to hit him. Um, when I had my second child, he was a lot more difficult and I thought maybe I will need to spank him, but spanking him just shut him down even more. So Yes, I do not recommend spanking. I don't think it works. It may work to scare them, but it does not work to teach them to not repeat the action. It just teaches them to be afraid of repercussions. It does I don't I just don't feel like it gives them the actual lesson that they need to learn, which is why what they did what you know, I would rather talk their ear off than to spank them because I know talking their ear off will definitely work because they will never want to hear the lecture again. I've since moved to reward chart systems, which is working lovely. It's working so well, but more on that another day. So our parenting, we have all the information at our fingertips on Google. We're looking to see what works. We're not relying on our parents or grandparents for information. Um, we're confident in our parenting skills. A Pew Research Center survey found that 57% of millennial moms say they're doing a very good job as a parent compared to 48% of Gen X moms and 41% of baby boomer moms. A large percent of millennials acknowledge that they praise their children too much. Is this goodbye participation trophies? I mean, come on, you want to bash on millennials, but here we are saying, dude, participation trophies have got to go. Isn't that the number one thing older people are complaining about is that everyone gets a participation trophy? Aren't you guys the one that handed out and made up the participation trophy to begin with? It wasn't us. This was around before, before our time, you know, before our time as parents, 
we weren't kids and said, hey, we all need a participation trophy. No, that's something that adults at the time said, oh, that'll be good. Yeah, let's do that. And then they grow up raising bratty children. And then they say to themselves, oh my gosh, participation trophy. Here we go. The age of the participation trophy. You you don't know what it's like to not feel like you won at everything, even though you didn't do anything to earn it. No hard work. Um, okay. First of all, we are hard workers. We went over that already with, we're working, okay? We're the majority. And we didn't make that up. So why did you guys make that up? Come on now. But we are sitting here saying, we praise our children too much. And there is a difference between productive praising and hurtful praising. And if you overly praise your child, it has been shown to um, reduce a child's self-esteem. We are talking to our kids about money earlier and starting their savings by age 12. Duh, kids need to know these things. We're struggling. We don't want our kids to struggle like us. We are doing things for our kids that we needed more of or maybe were deprived of. My mom did an amazing job, but I'm sure she wasn't thinking about how outrageous cost of living would grow to be. We're advocating for our children more and teaching them how to advocate for themselves and what that means. Let's take a look at family for millennial parents, perennials. Whether married, straight, same-sex, single parents, that's our choice and we aren't afraid to go against the norm. However, children born into married families are predicted to rise. Due to 6 in 10 millennials being raised with both parents, we place parenthood and marriage far above career and financial success. 6 in 10 millennials raised by both parents. So I know myself and my husband both were raised by our mothers. Um, and that's one thing that was important to me. I always wanted to get married and have kids and have a family. I always saw myself as being a housewife and being a mother, always. And I do agree with, you know, being married and having a family you know, giving my children the opportunity to have both parents and a quote-unquote normal family is something that I, I strive for or was a thought in my head when I had my first child. Women are having kids two years older than our previous generation and a larger percent are having one child and being done. So lots of single child families Because of the rise of only children families, Generation Alpha is predicted, can you guess, to be categorized just as selfishly as we are. Great. So, yes, they hate millennials so much, they are bashing our children already as well. But, you know what? We spend more time with our kids. That's proven. Did you know that fathers used to only spend an average of 16 minutes a day with their children, and now the average has rose to 59 minutes 
a day that they spend with their child on average. Um, we, in general, cherish the time and make more time to be with our children, whether it be with mommy and me classes that are on the rise, going to more family events, you know, choosing the carpool as a time to talk to our children about important things. We are putting in the time and effort to make sure our children are being heard and having the time and attention of their parents. What I found interesting was that a study showed millennials value outdoor time less than the other generations, the numbers that came back. We out value outdoor time less for our children's emotional development than previous generations. You'd think we would encourage being outside in nature more. I sure do. I love getting out with my kids and going fishing and teaching them about the world and the beauty of nature. And I know what it does for me mentally. And it really helps out with my my feelings, my emotions. It gets me back on track, my mental health. And I know that it does the same for my children. So I'm not sure with how knowledgeable millennials are. I, I can't see how they would value outdoor time less for their child. That's something that... We're going to need more research on that one, people. Come on. (laughs) I hope that after listening to this episode, you feel more empowered as a millennial mother and share with your millennial mamas. We aren't doing too bad. It's not too shabby. We are so darn cool and everybody knows it. They're just scared. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and leave a review, share with your friends, subscribe. I release a new episode every Thursday. And if you want more, you can visit my website, turks-chaos.com. And you can see more articles and get some free printables and resources um, and just some fun stuff. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram, information down below. I hope you enjoyed this episode and have a great week. Bye.